Hello and welcome to From the Ground Up Podcast, a podcast where we discuss key doctrines of the Christian faith, all while keeping Christ as the cornerstone in every aspect of it. I'm Seth Bridgman, your host. Welcome to our show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the first official episode of From the Ground Up podcast. Again, I'm your host, Seth Bridgman. With me is Mason, Dylan, and Cody. You met them in the pilot. Uh, And so today we're tackling uh, what we deem as the absolute most important doctrine uh, of the Christian faith. Without this doctrine... um, we believe that there, you can't move forward. We can't have any more conversations uh, of like-mindedness if we can't get this right. Uh, and so that subject today is Christ as cornerstone. Uh, and so we're going to tackle that today. Uh, but to start out, you know, I always like to start out with a little bit of dialogue. Uh, so I want to hear from you guys. I'm going to ask you all a question to answer, and we'll do try to do this every episode. Uh, so the question today is, what are your favorite podcasts to listen to? So we have our podcast. We're one episode in, so we're doing good. Uh, but what are some really well-established, uh, very solid, uh, doctrinally podcasts that you like to listen to? So Mason, go ahead and start us out. Well, uh, recently I haven't listened to as many podcasts uh, as I used to because I used to have a little bit more free time. But when I do get a chance to listen to uh, podcasts, I typically listen to stuff that R.C. Sproul recorded. Um, I'm trying to remember what the name of the Renewing Your Mind. Yes, thank you. Renewing Your Mind with Dr. R.C. Sproul. Um, Always good to listen to to some Sproul. I try to get in on some... Uh, some Tim Keller sermons also every now and again. Uh, but those are mostly the ones I listen to. Cool. Um, most of the time, I don't really uh, listen to a lot of podcasts, but what I do listen to is uh, is a lot of preaching on YouTube um, or on specific websites. Uh, I listen to uh, a lot of John MacArthur um, and also listen to a lot of Alistair Begg and John MacArthur. They, their website's called Grace to You, um, and then Alistair Begg's website is called Truth for Life. Truth, Truth for, for Life. Life. Yeah, that's right. Truth for Life on, with guys, Alistair Begg. Have to answer yeah. everything. Yeah, sorry. I, I, it slipped my mind, man. Come on. Um, but yeah, those are those are the two main ones that I listen to. And then there's uh, uh, also uh, Tim Challies. I also listen to him and I read a lot of his blog posts too. He has some really good is blog he posts. A- all right, you gotta fill me in. I don't know this guy. Is he a pastor or what is he? Uh, yeah, he's actually a Canadian. Um, oh, a Canadian. He's, eh? a, he's a Canadian, um, and he he has a he has a website called Chally's, um, and he features all sorts of different you know different theological topics throughout every day. Um, and actually, I think a local pastor here, Quattro Nelson, has been featured on his blog post. Nifty. So. There you go. Uh, for me, I uh, I listen to a lot like the theological equipping class podcast uh, by the Parkway uh, Baptist Church. Oh, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I listen to that, that too. And then Truth for Life. Um, I listen to those are kind of the, the two um, podcasts that I like listen to the most. Um, but the theological equipment class, so that one's, I, I like the way the, it's kind of set up as like actual class sessions in each episode you listen to is like a different, um, you know, a different session of like a class that they're teaching. And, and so they, they are good at explaining things in an easy way to understand. So, yeah, I listen. Yeah. The, uh, theological equipment class. I really like that. Those guys are really good. Um, 
not so much R.C. Sproul. Listen to a lot of Alistair Begg. Listen to a lot of Philip DeCourcy. I like Philip DeCourcy. He's a um, Know the Truth. He's really good. Uh, I like Tony Evans every once in a while. I don't listen to him too terribly much. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the main ones. RZIM, Robbie Zacharias Institute. Uh, they put a lot of their Q&As on there from whenever he does like seminars. So I like listening to that because it's a, more of a dialogue. Um, but that's that's kind of it. I, I mean, I like uh, Frank Turek with Cross Examined. I listen to him a lot on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what uh, I listen to. So, so you guys don't listen to the sermon repeats from Sunday morning, huh? Uh, <laughs> for pastors listening to this, he's probably gonna be pretty upset. <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. So. Oh wow! Well, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's my yeah. There's there, my, there you go. Uh, man, man. There you go. All right, before we get in trouble and get uh, excommunicated from the church, uh, Christ is cornerstone. So how these episodes will be um, set up, the goal is to, we're going to have a Facebook page with uh, our podcast, and so I'm going to take our show notes and post them on the Facebook page so you can go and kind of see what all our thoughts are on the subject, but it's going to be, you know, five to six Try not to go over six because we don't want to make the shows too terribly long where you can't listen to them in a, in a normal car ride to work. Uh, but five to six questions about the subject, and we're just going to have a roundtable discussion answering them. I figure we're probably going to be uh, pretty well on the same page with everything. But you never know. You know, you might have those um, those tertiary, maybe even secondary disagreements on on um, on these doctrines. So so we will find out. So we'll start out Cross's Corners on the first question. Uh, Mason, we'll start off with you and just go uh, clockwise, and then we'll just reverse it every time. So, Mason, I'll let you start out. What does it mean for an individual to have Christ as their cornerstone? Well, um, in studying for this, I, I kind of looked at, at some pivotal verses, and really, um, well, actually, the first thing I did was look up, you know, the, the definition of what a cornerstone uh, is or was, and the cornerstone, um, according to Webster's, is the first stone of the foundation of a masonry building, and it is used as a reference point for the rest of the stones in the structure. Um, so, just this, that, that for me, it, it just developed this great imagery of, of how a Christian, a true believer, really has to have Christ as that, that reference point, that first, most foundational element um, I mean that it's the center message of the gospel, Christ and Him crucified. Um, that's the only way to, to to be saved, to begin that relationship, um, not just with Christ, but with with the Godhead. Um, and and so, for for, the, for a true Christian, Christ must be that first, that preeminent, that cornerstone in our lives in order for us to truly be able to move forward in that relationship um, and have our lives actually aligned to the will of God. So you're saying Peter was not a stone. Mm, <laughs> on this rock, I will build my church, but we appreciate some of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so kind of to build off of what Mason said, um, if you look at Luke uh, chapter 20, verse 17, um the foundation was built on the stone by which the builders rejected. And we see that through exemplified through the gospels of, you know, of the people rejecting Christ as, as the cornerstone, as the, the foundational building blocks uh, of their faith. Um, and if we as Christians uh, don't stand, don't reference that stone, then 
we will all be destroyed by the wrath of God. And we see the wrath of God throughout the New Testament and especially in the book of Revelation. Um, and if you read the book of Revelation, it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, oh, this, this is going to happen. Scary, man. Yeah, this is going to happen. And there's no denying that because it's in Scripture. Um, so with that being said, uh, Christ is pivotal. Christ is the cornerstone. Yeah, no, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, he's the, the forefront of everything we believe. You look, I mean, from the very beginning, Jesus was there with God when he created everything. And so, I mean, the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, um, I mean, it's it's Jesus. And, I mean, the way that we're saved is through Jesus. And so in order for us to consider anything else, the cornerstone would, um, I mean, we've, we've missed the mark somewhere. And, you know, are, are we truly saved if... If that's the case. And so, um, you know, I mean, let's see here. Uh, Christ is cornerstone. I mean, he's the foundation, everything. I mean, his life we're taking and using as an example. I mean, he lived the perfect life. And so, you know, we, we use his life as an example of, of how we should live. He taught the disciples um, and then, you know, lived the perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. And so, um that was God, he 100% human, 100% God, um, came to the earth um, to do that because he loved us so much. And so um, we, that should be our desire is for him to be, you know, our cornerstone. So, Yeah, yeah, and I'm just echoing uh, what these guys have said. I completely agree. You know, that cornerstone, when, when they were building, I mean, if it wasn't true, if it wasn't perfect, uh, then, you know, yeah, maybe the building would stand for a while but it was definitely going to show its faults or it may not even you know stand that cornerstone had to be had to be perfect it had to be true in its nature in order for everything else on top of it uh, to stand and so when we don't have christ or even when we do have christ but we have an imperfect view or we have an untrue view of who he is nothing else in the christian faith matters if we can't get this point if we can't get this part of scripture then nothing else matters. Uh, I mean, John even talks about Jesus being the Word. I mean, the the Bible uh, is Jesus and 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 who He is. So if if we can't, not only if we can't get Jesus as cornerstone, but if we can't even get Jesus as as true and as perfect as Scripture teaches that He is, then nothing else matters because nothing else will be able to build on top of it. And Christ as cornerstone is the whole is the whole point of this. Um, from the ground up podcast is that we're using Christ as the cornerstone to build up uh, the building blocks of our faith, using the doctrines as the building blocks. But we've got to have Christ there at the very base. Otherwise, none of these other building blocks will stand. If it doesn't have Christ in the center, it won't work. Um, so I think we hit that one hit, hit that one pretty heavy. Yeah. So moving on to question two, Cody, we'll, we'll start with you on this one. Do you believe that this is the key doctrine that is needed to be saved. We kind of already answered that, but I kind of want to go into that more, not so much like um, the Bible in general, but like salvation, eternal salvation. Do you believe that Christ's cornerstone is the essential doctrine to be saved? 
So, yes, um, I mean, undeniably, yes, um, it is the key doctrine to be saved. I mean, you look at in Romans um, chapter 10, verse 9, um, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And it doesn't leave any gray area there, um, very black and white. Um, and, and so, um, you know, even in Ephesians in chapter 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, um, made us alive together with Christ and uh, by grace you've been saved so it's through Christ and Christ alone there's no other way um, you know to salvation but through Jesus yeah I agree um, the without Christ the ability to be able to be a regenerate person to be regenerated to be reconciled back to God is complete that's completely unattainable why is that well we know that some of the requirements were that, that he was from the line of David. We could see that in Psalms 132, verses, verse 11. Um, he was without sin. Um, Hebrews 4.15 tells us that. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, we see a few examples of Christ being made the perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb. And ultimately, he fulfilled the law. So without that um, as a key doctrine... You, there's no way that you could be. There's no way that you could be saved, um, because it, it had to be perfect. It had to be in this certain order, and Christ fulfilled that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with with what both uh, Cody and Dylan have said. Um, in order for someone to be using Dylan's word, a regenerated person to be truly saved, to be a, a Christian, um, you first have to accept Christ in your life, like those verses that Cody was reading. Um, you first have to make Christ that cornerstone, that foundational point. Um, in First Peter uh, two four through eight, Peter explicitly com- uh, compares the followers of God to those that have um, believed in the stone that is laid in Zion, and then he immediately follows that up with um, those that don't believe in him as 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 those that have rejected that stone. Um, and, and it refers to, the Bible also refers to Christ's cornerstone in several other places in the Bible. I've got Psalms 118.22, Mark 12.10, and Luke 20.17, which I think Dylan mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so this process, uh, like Cody mentioned, is done by grace through faith in Christ alone. Um, in, in John uh, chapter 14, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes through the Father except by me. There's This is... We don't really, I'm pretty sure I can say first, we don't believe in pluralism. There's only one true way to God, yep. and that is through His Son, Jesus Christ. Um, and, and, and I wrote down, when we do this, it's um, just because we have Christ as our cornerstone, just because someone is saved, doesn't mean that um, our actions and intentions immediately line up with everything that, that God would have them to be. Um, but it's 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 a process. Um, it's it's an ongoing thing. But that is the very first step before you can do anything else. Um, you you must accept Christ uh, into your life as your Savior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, without Christ there as the mediator, I mean, you just go read the Book of Hebrews. If you want to know if Christ is the only way, just go read the Book of Hebrews um, because it Hebrews is so beautiful because it takes the Mosaic Law. And explains why the Mosaic Law pointed to Christ the entire time. Yep. It wasn't to it wasn't to absolve people of their sins. It wasn't to make people uh, favorable to the sight of God. 
the whole point of the Mosaic Law is to show us we're sinners and we need Jesus to come save mm-hmm. us. That's why Hebrews twelve two says, um, look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Not only do we have our faith because of Jesus, there's not another one that's going to come and do it better. You know, there's not a Muhammad or a, or a Buddha or a Gandhi that's going to come with this new teaching that's going to blow Jesus out of the water. He he. He created Christianity. He's the reason for Christianity. And he's the perfecter of Christianity. He's the one that can come and live perfect to God's will, completely sinless, and take the full wrath of God, raising himself from the dead. That way that we can not necessarily defeat physical death, but we can defeat um, um, spiritual death, eternal death, which is the the eternal wrath of God. So if you don't believe that, then then at this point, you're, you're not a Christian. You know, that's... Why do we call ourselves Christians? Because we are in Christ. So Christ is the cornerstone. That's that's the key to it all. If you don't have Christ, and if you don't understand that it's nothing that we've ever done or ever will achieve that earns us favor with God, we're an enemy to God until Christ uh, makes payment for us, until Christ absolves our sin for us. We're an enemy of God, so there's nothing that we could ever do to earn the favor of God. It's only after we accept Christ as our Savior uh, that we then... Um, can move on in our sanctification process. Yeah, yeah. Well, kind of, kind of talking to what Mason Mason said about pluralism. Uh, we we can't worshiping the world and also worshiping Christ doesn't work. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't work. Um, that would be an example of pluralism. Uh, we see that time and time today, uh, and we'll talk about that in, probably here in a minute with our churches. Um, but uh, but yeah, the the worship of the world and the worship of of Christ does not does not marry. I mean, throughout the whole New Testament, you see what the world did to Christ. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. world hated yeah. it. Yeah, they hated it. So good, good. Um, so so we could. I mean, we could stay here and just talk about just that one question for for hours. But for sake of time, we'll go ahead and move on to the next. Um, so again, we'll we'll. Flip the switch here and go to go back to Mason and around. Uh, so Mason, do you believe that without Christ as the cornerstone, without Christ as the one key doctrine, uh, can a church sustain itself? Um, it's my belief that no, no, a church cannot um, sustain itself without without um, Christ being at the center of it. Because if we think um, we don't, we haven't really defined a church, but you know, a church is just the gathering of believers, and if that gathering of believers don't make Christ not only the forefront in their lives, but the forefront in their corporate gathering, then that just like a, a life not based on Christ will be flawed, a church not based on Christ will definitely be flawed. Um, so even even if that, that supposed cornerstone is, is a good thing or a maybe a Christ-like thing, but it's not Christ himself, um, eventually it's, it's, it's going to falter. It's going to fail. Um, so, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like in Matthew seven twenty four through 28 when um, there's a parable of the man that builds his house on the sand mm-hmm. and the man that builds his house on the rock. If you build your church on something that is less than Christ, um, eventually, it may take a while, but eventually... That that cornerstone is going to fail the test. Yeah, it's not sunny every single day. Yeah, like yeah. eventually it's yeah. going to rain, exactly. and it's going to storm. Yeah, and when that comes, then it washes then it away. Washes yeah. away. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. Um, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, I don't 
I don't think a church can be sustained without Christ uh, as the cornerstone. If you if if we look at the the church um, at Pergamum in Revelations chapter two, that church was known as Satan's seat. What kind of title? That's can, you, can you imagine yeah. that title? Uh, Satan's seat. Is there on the church sign out You know, I, <laughs> I don't know. Satan's seat. But, I mean, with that being said, we know what happens to the people that are not in Christ, which would be those that were part of Satan's seat. They all perish in the lake of fire. So ultimately, your church that doesn't hold Christ as their cornerstone, are going to perish in the lake of fire. That could be a congregation of thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are lost. Think about that. I mean, that's yeah. that's wild. And we see that throughout, throughout the, you know, uh, the Americanized Christianity. Yeah. Um, the, the whole, let's, like I said previously, let's bring in the world, and then we'll also bring in Christ kind of on the back burner. We'll mention him, but we'll just make everybody feel good about it. Mm. They're going to perish. Yeah, I mean, you you got to be careful with that because you know you're playing with fire there, quite literally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, no kidding um, for sure. You know what I like to to think about is you look at the church, the early church in Acts. Um, you know, in chapter four, um, just um, you know, read a little, a couple of verses here in like around thirty-two. Um, the full number of uh, those who believed were one heart and soul, and no one said. No one said that any of the things that belonged to, to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Like, in the early church, it was all centered around them giving their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, I know that the name of this is Christ's Cornerstone, and that's where we've been at. But, I mean, he, he literally has to be um, the cornerstone of the church. Otherwise, there's no way that church can be alive and growing. And so just because, you know, a church may have numbers and look good on the outside, mm-hmm. is it alive and growing from the inside? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, are you seeing, you know, the fruits of the Spirit inside the church that, you know, is, is Jesus um, their focal point and what they're looking towards if not then you know those people are very misguided and there's no way that that church can be alive in my opinion yeah i mean when you when you have cornerstones other than christ you have to even ask is is this if god when god is looking down is this even considered a church is this even considered part of the body of christ Uh, and we have to understand that you know people that are in these congregations that are being taught these false things. I, I think it's biblical that God has has um, compassion on them. You see the the people following Jesus, and they were being harassed by the Pharisees and taught false doctrines by the Pharisees. And said so when Jesus saw them, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mm-hmm. You know that they were being led astray, uh, and they thought that they were they were in the right. Yeah. So I. I I don't know. I don't know where we fall on that. How much mercy is given in, the, in those instances? But I do know that. No, no, I don't. I don't think a church could sustain itself um, as a, as a as a body of Christ without Christ as a cornerstone. If you'd even consider it that, without Christ as a cornerstone, right. can it you be know? a body of Christ without yeah, without, without Christ, Christ being without there? Yeah. Yeah. So as that central point. Yeah, I, I think I think um, churches that have lost their their view uh, of Christ, their true and perfect view of Christ. I, I 
I don't see them being sustained. I mean, like Dylan had mentioned, you look in the in the book of uh, of Revelation, and you see the churches that have lost their view of Christ, and and that warning that's given to them at the end of the warning, it's if these things aren't corrected, I'm going to come and I'm going to remove your lampstand. You you were a church, mm-hmm. and if you don't fix the stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not going to be a church. So yeah. no, no, yeah. I think when you lose sight of Christ and who He is, and He stops being the focal point of your worship, He stops being the focal point of why you're even there. No, I I, I think I think um, destruction comes in due time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. So, what are um, what would you say some red flags are to identify churches that have either not built themselves on Christ or at one point were built on Christ but now have started sliding away from that cornerstone? Cody? So, I mean, I think we, we've kind of covered that, just answering the, the last question that we talked about. But, I mean, if some red flags, um, to me, I mean, when when you see a church that is, you know, accepting or okay with you know, the worldly desires. Like blatant sin. Yeah, blatant sin that, you know, we can recognize that is sin, but the church is okay with that and is accepting that and is not attacking or confronting that, um, then, you know, that's definitely going to be, um, to me, some some red flags. And so, and, you know, and if it's, you know, something that it's more of like they're focused on works type thing mm-hmm. and, and not... Um, and are not talking about the free gift of God, um, like nothing we can do. Um, to me, again, you know that that is something uh, too. Um, you know, just something from First John um, that I was kind of tying into this um, in First John chapter two. Um, it says, you know, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever abides in God, you know, um, or does the will of God, abides forever. And so, I mean, anything anything that the church may be pursuing worldly, um, you got to, I would be on guard and, be, and really be um, examining um, that, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, in today's today's age, well, I say today's age, it's been it, there's nothing, there's new, nothing new under, under there's nothing yeah. new under the sun. So it's just wrapped in a different box. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's wrapped like, in a different box. Looks different, a different yeah. bow on it. Yeah, though. yeah. I I think there's two things that we need to look at, and there's like a there's a sequential order to this too. And that, number one is to look at the leadership of the church, uh, and then following the leadership, you'll examine the body of of that said church, um, because it starts with the church leadership. You're they're they're there to 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 shepherd the flock, as as Peter would say in First Peter five one through five. You know, he metaphorically says, you know, to a, a pastor, a, a leader in the church is there to to shepherd his to shepherd his flock. And if the leader of the church is not leaning on Christ and leaning on, you know, certain worldly desires then those are going to translate to the body and it's going to be it's going to be evident in that body um that that christ isn't the cornerstone um and we see that in abundance today especially in our area and 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 so on and so forth so look at the look at the leadership of the church and and also look at the body um if i'm just an aside whenever i'm if i research a church um 
the first thing I look at is like if say that they have a website or something, I go and look at the church leadership. You know, who's in the who's in these leadership roles? Mm-hmm. Are they biblical leadership roles? Meaning, are they you know, are they? Oh, are they? <laughs> whatever. Uh, I mean, are they you know ordained by God? Um, that, that's where I first look. And but even more than that. that. Like, I take it, that's what I was pointing about. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I was pointing at Dylan, and he, like, stopped because he thought, yeah. I was just trying to jump into the conversation. Yeah. Um, but even more than that, like, when I read books, yeah, like, yeah. I research the author, and, like, it, you know, most most of the, the books of, of the church realm that I read are from pastors. I'm going to go listen to their sermons. I'm yeah. going to look at their church and kind of look at their background. And if I see something in their background that throws a big red flag, I, I, I'm out. Like, yeah. Because there's a good chance that the theology behind that book is probably skewed. If your theology and your preaching or theology and your teaching is skewed, more than likely anything else that you contribute is probably going to be skewed as well. Um, yeah, think about what happens whenever you sit down and just think. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, how, how off can your thoughts get? You know, how yeah, far yeah. off can and they get? And how quickly, too. Yeah, and how quickly they can. So, yeah, yeah I, see, I see where you're I, see, I do that same thing, too. So. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't take any, like, I vet the people that I listen to and allow to to teach me in the word uh, because if they're skewed I don't want it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and even if what they're saying at that point in time may be doctrinally sound, maybe doctrinally true. Sorry, Mason, I kind of cut you off here. Uh, may be true. There's a there I know that there's that that chance that the skewed theology they had at this point might creep into that. So I'm oh, going to yeah. go with the ones that I've vetted and I found yes Everything that I've heard heard them say is doctrinally sound. Uh, And, you know, keep watching for that because people that have been doctrinally sound for years and go skewed, you know, that's always a possibility. So keep your eye on that, too. Yeah. 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 It doesn't doesn't mean that if they were doctrinally sound, doesn't mean that they will always continue to be doctrinally sound. Yeah. Um, And not every, I mean, we're not going to agree with everybody's theology. Yeah. We're not going to. And we may not all agree. The four of us are probably at one point in time, as this podcast continues, are probably going to have different views and different opinions on different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay. Like that's to, to a certain point, that's fine. Um, the scripture calls us to, to work out our own salvation, to, to read through the scripture and to determine for ourselves. Um, it's, it's up to us. There's a responsibility placed on the individual Christian to vet, vet what they hear, the teachings that they receive, and take those teachings and compare them to the word of God. And if they don't exactly. match up, yes. then guess what? The teachings are wrong, not the word of God. Yeah, yeah that's right. Exactly. That's right. So, so that being said... That very thing is one way to, to catch to see if a church, that would be a huge red flag. If their teachings aren't lining up with what is outlined in the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, what is outlined in the word of God, then, then that church is probably not built on Jesus Christ. And the only way you would know that is if you are in the word yourself. Um, mm-hmm. In order to be a, a, a good Christian, you must be a discerning Christian. Um, you have to be able, you have to know the word and what it says and and be able to 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 vet to discern for yourself um what what is scriptural what is biblical um and 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 if you do that if you take that time if you put in if you build that relationship honestly um it shouldn't take you very long to figure out whether a church is founded on on the gospel or not it should be it should be evident in their in their in every sermon it Mm -hmm. should be there um so so yeah so that's that's kind of what I was 
thing yeah. about any 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 new gospels should really stick out if they don't match up with with the ancient gospel. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think our pastor would be you know I think he would be tickled to death to hear this, but we're fortunate to sit under really good teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're yeah. extremely fortunate to do that. So. And he himself even advises us to compare what he says to the word. <laughs> don't take, it, yeah. you know, take yeah. it at face value for what he says, but like, make sure you know um, to, to check it for ourselves. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, only, the only thing that I would add in on like red flags from what's already, I agree with everything that's been said, but like, if you walk into a church and like, the only mature Christian is the pastor, ah, like, yeah. that, that's yeah. a big red flag for me because um, for one, if if the pastor is teaching correctly, it's going to spur the members to grow, uh, and and good um, good shepherding is going to foster growth. Mm-hmm. It you know like when you when you look at uh, um, a a shepherd with a flock of sheep, he's constantly challenging these sheep to go to new fields, not to stay in the same place, to keep going, to keep eating, to keep growing, because that's what's going to produce the most uh, for that business. Translate that to the church. You've got the shepherd who's constantly pushing the sheep to go, to eat, to grow, to to become better than what they were for the business of the kingdom of God. Uh, and so when you walk into a church and Everybody's baby Christians except the pastor. That throws a it may not be you know I'm not saying that that's a terrible thing. It may be a church plant and and you know you've just got gotta give it people, time. Yeah, you got time converts that are yeah. are grow. But you know that's going to throw a real big red flag to me to actually like look into this church more thoroughly to figure out well why is this the case? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're talking about red flags. What are some Ways that we can, we as members of a of a church, not just Houston Baptist, but but Christians, uh, members of the local church, to guard against one their church sliding into um, losing Christ as their cornerstone, but also for the individual, how they can help guard themselves against sliding off of Christ as cornerstone. Yeah, um, I think we we I think we covered it a little bit, um, but definitely just aligning aligning yourself with that cornerstone which is Christ and and, the, and really the, the main way of doing that the first way is to align your life with scripture um, if you're not getting into the word um, on a very regular basis and and discerning um, beginning to, to discern and study the word then th- then you won't know you won't be able to see um, any slippage because you won't know what the word says uh, uh-huh. so that's that's the first thing I think is is um, is a dedicated study uh, of of the word um, for for both the individual and then the individual can take that and apply that to their corporate setting. Um, if we align ourselves and our church with the scriptures, then we will have um, not just a spiritually sound, but just a, a, a alive, a living, a vibrant church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had uh, two sentences: is read your Bible. Plain and simple, <laughs> uh, because I mean that's a that's a guidebook for, I mean for everything for for life. Uh, and if you if you're not reading that, then I mean you're obviously missing out on everything. I mean you're missing out on on life and how to how to do life. Uh, so read your Bible. Yeah, um, uh, mine was if it's not in the Bible, don't teach it. So is it in here? No. I mean, if you want to stay on track, if it, if it doesn't line up and it doesn't match what the Bible says, then and it doesn't you know have a place um, in my opinion, um, you know, because this is 
God revealed to us through Jesus and through um, His Word. And so how we know Jesus is through the Word. And so, you know, everything that God has intended for us to know, um, he, He's provided here for us. And so, um, you know, making sure that everything that we do aligns with the Scripture, then, I um, mean, this is our um, sole authority that we should to seek and, and nothing else. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, Allow yourself to be stinking discipled, man. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, we're in such a culture of, well, I, I'm an introvert. No, you just don't like people. Like, allow somebody to be in your life. Like, allow somebody to to allow yourself to open up to somebody, uh, because there are good Christian men and women who know their Bible and know it well and are completely 100 percent. Uh, sound in their doctrine that would love to be in a uh, biblical relationship with you to be able to uh, churn you and to yearn you to go forward and to pursue Christ with them. Like, even the, the apostles were discipled by Jesus. So, you know, the, the top dogs allowed themselves to be discipled. You know, Paul says it, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Find you somebody who knows the Bible better than you do, because I guarantee you there is somebody that knows the Bible better than you do. And allow them to teach you things that you didn't know about Christ. Mm-hmm. And allow them to show you those yeah. things through the Bible. Yeah. Uh, we, we live in such an antisocial culture that we don't want to have these relationships with people. But I'm going to tell you this. You have a relationship like that with somebody, that'll be the best friend that you'll ever have. And you're going to grow to love them as Christ intended. And that, in turn, is going to show you how to love the church themselves. Uh, so on top of, of knowing your Bible and those sort of things, allow yourself to be by, to be discipled by somebody yeah. um, to grow that, that brotherly or sisterly relationship with them in Christ. Well, I mean, to, to add to that, um, you know, we, we got to make sure that we're prepared if to, to listen to that because we live in such a, an age now where we can, information is just at our fingertips, you know, with our phones or computers or whatever. And so it causes us to be so independent on ourselves. Hey, we can figure out this information. We can do that. But can we open ourselves up to take Wikipedia is not a biblical <laughs> scholar. So, yes, um, you know, so the people that, you know, have, have a, relationship a deep relationship with christ um that the spirit's worked in them and they had you know been revealed to them lots of wisdom you know we need to make sure that we're not so prideful that we can figure it out for ourselves that we're opening ourselves up to these people to to let them you know it share some of that wisdom that, that god has given them um so you know because that that's you know we we build off each other and we strengthen each other i thought you know like it says iron sharpens iron we're we're, we're supposed to be keeping each other holding each other accountable and keeping each other pointed in the right directions so yeah yeah definitely um all right dylan i'm gonna let you start this question out since you haven't got to start one yet. Ah, it's about time all right the last last one we'll wrap up on, on this question do you think we're seeing a generation I, it's actually really fitting that you get this question to start out on yeah because i'm the youngest no, well, not only that, but like you talk about this money. So, um, do you think we're seeing a generation of Christians um, not using Christ as cornerstone? Uh, well, I I wouldn't even use the term Christian um, because if you're not using Christ as your cornerstone, then are you a Christian? Uh, it begs that begs that question. Um, the the church 
should be built on Christ and on Christ alone. Nothing else but Christ. Um, so, I mean, often today we see, you know, these, I'm going to use air quotes, but you guys can't see it. I'm going to use these <laughs> quote unquote churches uh, that worship the world. Um, they, they try to bring, they, they try to marry Christ and the world together into one thing to, to kind of, uh, appetize the human's nature for sin. That that's ultimately what it is. Is that you know we always want to be catered to. We always we we always want something to uh, to to tickle our ear. But I mean, God forbids that. God, God forbids that. Yeah. Yeah, we're supposed to be set apart. This generation. I mean, Christians should be set apart. You should be able to tell that that is a Christian. That church is sound. Um, and and so on and so forth. So, so to 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 use the term, you know, Christians, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use that term. <laughs> Which so, way do we go, Cody? Is that you? What's that? We going your way? Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's, sure. Let's go my way. Why not? <laughs> um, uh, so you know, I think since since Jesus, <laughs> we've seen um, you know, there's there's been people that have been in and have had quote unquote church, but you know, Christ has not been their focal point. Um, you know, anytime, you know, we, you've got people that's been around church their whole life, their whole family went to church, well, yada, yada. Uh, but there's people that are, you know, they're not. we're not going to see um, in heaven that have been in the church doors every time they've been open. But right. they went there because it was just a normal thing that they did. It was a part of life, but they never truly accepted Jesus. It was just more of a routine kind of thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, also if your intentions to go in church is not to learn and grow in your relationship with Jesus, then you're not, <laughs> then Jesus is not the focal point either. And so, I mean, at that point, you got a question, and I think, you know, we've mentioned this already, um, I think Dylan mentioned earlier, but I mean, are you truly saved, you know, if when you're going to church and you're not learning, you know, seeking to learn and grow in Christ and be obedient to his will, I mean, we got a, you know, question, did you ever truly accept Jesus in the first place? Because if you did, then that should be your desire. Like you should want to to keep learning and growing and knowing Jesus more and and pushing things of the world away because as He's revealing them to you, you know that they're wrong. You know you don't need them in your life, and you need to. And so, with that being said, you know, anytime we come to church and it's not for the sole purpose of learning and growing um, in Jesus and with our fellow believers in that aspect and worshiping the God who created us, then. You know, uh, we we're not there <laughs> for the right reasons, and so Christ is not the focal point in the cornerstone. So. I, I think we can narrow that down to simply: if your purpose is is to do something other than glorify God when you come to church, then you've got a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then yeah. you've got a problem. Yeah, you know, I don't think it's necessarily that we're seeing a generation of Christians. Um, I think, I mean, my goodness, look at the Reformation. You had the church selling salvation. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. I, I think oh, it's safe to say this isn't a new problem. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, here's how I think. That, Honestly, we, it's packaged different. It's just packaged. Yeah, it's, it's the just, same thing. Yeah, it's just packaged. Just, yeah, different. exactly. I, I think one one main way that we can we can push this kind of thinking out that you can have Christianity without Christ, um, make it uncomfortable. Make it uncomfortable for them. You know, the church needs to be uncomfortable uh, for unbelievers. 
you know you either you either become a believer uh, and and you and you adopt sound theology through studying the the word um, yourself and and with other believers or it's so uncomfortable for you and you're so convicted by your sin uh, that you shun the church to get away from it I don't think we should make it a comfort I don't think we should make church a comfortable place for believers or unbelievers uh, to to stay I don't know if you all agree with that but I, I hmm. think I think church yeah should be uncomfortable for you to be stagnant yeah I you either, I, you either grow or you get out. One hundred percent agree with that because what is what is the church? What, what was the church instituted for? The equipping of the saints for the, the work of the ministry. The saints. Yeah. It, it was not. It was not. You know, it was not developed for unbelievers. It, it's not designed for unbelievers. Now we welcome unbelievers to come to Christ through the church. But that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing. Yep. Um, it, we should not gear our church services towards the world and towards drawing in unbelievers. That should not be yep. our goal. Now I do believe that preaching like the gospel should be so ingrained into your preaching that if unbelievers do come on a Sunday that there's an opportunity yes. of salvation yes. because they heard the gospel. A- absolutely. Like it doesn't matter what you're preaching through what the the sermon series is focused on, the gospel should be so ingrained in the preaching yeah. that when unbelievers do come in, they feel the conviction of salvation yeah. on them. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I when I saw this, I took this a little bit differently. Um, but but the heart of the question is: Are we seeing a generation of and I'm going to use Dylan's air quotes here Christians um, that are not <laughs> using Christ as cornerstone? I, I I completely agree with what's been said. Um, what I really think we're seeing is a shift in American culture um, that that's been kind of a slow, gradual building coming and is really starting to speed up. Um, if you if you rewind the clock just 20, 20 years ago, the the morality of the American culture almost lined up with the morality. And, you know, th- this is all morality. This isn't actual true belief. This is just a system of morals that's culturally acceptable. And those culturally acceptable morals kind of lined up with what most conservative Christians would call a Christian morality. And now, as we've turned to the 21st century, the American culture is going fast towards a very different set of standards of morality, of, of inclusion. And so we see these people that, that want to put Christ in with that inclusion. And, and guys, Christians is, is, a very, is a very exclusive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in, in John, Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Um, kind of going back to that, that uh, talk about pluralism. We don't believe in pluralism. So... Uh, but, but but as I see it, I see it as actually a good thing. Um, for so long, especially here in the South and the Bible Belt, it's so easy for someone. It's comfortable for people that aren't actually Christians to sit in a yeah. we'll call it what is a Southern Baptist sermon and, and be comfortable and just you know they walk down the altar, they they pray a prayer, and because they come to church every day, because they their parents you know brought them to church, they consider themselves in air quotes again Christians, and they're not. They're lost, and 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 they're hopelessly lost because they're so close to the truth that they become numb to its effect. Yeah. Um, and so I think that as our society in general begins to trend away from uh, Christian morality and from um, biblical morality, there's going to come a point in those people, those those. Again, we're going to use air quotes. Christians, those cultural <laughs> Christians, they're going to have to choose between God or the world. Um, 
It's like a purification process. It is. And, and, and so that's going to make it evident. And their choice is going to be obvious because you can't be one or the other. You can't yeah. serve both masters yeah. now. Yeah. You used to could play the field. You used to could say, well, you know, I'm a Christian on Sundays and I don't do anything too bad. My morality kind of lines up. But now it's going to be there are so many hard questions out there, so many splits between what the culture believes and what the Bible calls us to live by, the standard the Bible calls mm-hmm. us to live by, that mm-hmm. you are not going to be able to do both. Yeah, can't um, ride the fence. Yeah. No. It, it'll be impossible. Yeah. So for me, that's it, it's going to make true believers and those cultural Christians so vastly different that someone won't be able to be confused about which one they are. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna know. They're going to be able to look. If, the, if they don't line up with Scripture, if they're lining themselves with the culture, which is becoming more and more anti-Christ, you know, anti-Bible, mm-hmm. anti um We'll call it conservative. I guess the left would call it conservative beliefs. Um, then, then that's going to be obvious to them. Yeah. Uh, so, so in a way, that's 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 good. I mean, it's that's a good thing. It's it's good to be able to tell that difference to not be in limbo of of whether of whether you don't know um, because that divide is going to be very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, it could lead to church persecution, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when it gets there. And Honestly, that's not necessarily a bad thing either. Yeah. Um, if you look at... Promise that. It's where the church flourishes. It's where the church flourishes. Yeah. It's where the true church... If you look at the church in China, uh, the church in China flourishes under some of the worst persecution yeah. in modern times. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. Because it's uncomfortable. It is. It's uncomfortable. But, you know, that's... Uh, but comfort doesn't really come from God. No. <laughs> comfort. Yeah, exactly. Most comfort it doesn't. Yeah, he, uh, you know, they talk about like the purification process of gold. Like, <laughs> it's got to go through the heat. It's got to go through the fire. To get through the purity. Yeah. yeah. To get to the purity. So, mm-hmm. all right, guys. Well, let's, um, that was the last question of this one. Let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, and then next uh, episode, we'll be hitting the topic of uh, creation ex nihilo, creation out of nothing. So we'll have fun with that one. Uh, but we do. Uh, appreciate you tuning in for our first uh, podcast episode and we hope that you'll tune in with us for many more uh we just want you to know that we love you in christ and we pray that you go out and you love others the same way so thank you and we'll see you next time